Welcome to Behave, the behavioural science podcast where we discuss, explore and aim to showcase the practical benefits of layering behavioural insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth. Hosted by Pedro Martins, a director at Total Media, the behavioural planning agency. Remember to rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts and for any questions, feedback or requests for future topics, please email us at podcast at behave.co.uk. For more information on anything discussed in the episode and useful downloads, please visit behave.co.uk forward slash podcast. Welcome to Behave, the podcast that aims to showcase practical business benefits through the application of behavioural science to your marketing. Morning, gents. Morning, Pedro. Morning. Lockdown will probably start to ease. I mean, we've already seen signs of some businesses going back to work. Uh, it'll probably take a bit longer for our sector and our industry. Um, but the question I have really is around uh, normality. I mean, there's lots of people talking about recession. I mean, Telegraph did a piece a while ago that once the lockdown eases, only one in 10 people return to their normal spending habits and patterns. Um, but we already know that what people say and do are very different. But even so, um, GFK released um, some stats saying that actually confidence has fallen dramatically. So it was sort of minus seven in February and it's fallen to minus 34 um, and towards the end of March. So really wanted us to sort of discuss and say, what are the ways that we can sort of address confidence or address the way that um, brands, companies price their products to encourage consumers to start investing, start spending once again. And I thought, uh, Richard, it would be good if you could kick us off with maybe temporal reframing. Sure, sure. Um, I I think you're right. It's hard to know exactly how consumers are going to behave in the next two, three, six months. So we don't know quite how price sensitive they're going to become. We we don't know what shape of recession it's going to be. I think you're right. It would be surprising if there wasn't um, some greater unwillingness to spend. We just don't know the extremes of it. And what's interesting is that there are a number of ideas from behavioural science and social psychology that can help brands by making the same price feel more appealing. And one of the most interesting areas is, is one called temporal reframing. And all this means is that when consumers think about a price, and this is specifically for things like subscriptions. So if you're Sky or Virgin Media or um, Spotify, this is relevant. It's when they think of uh, prices over time, they put too much emphasis on the headline sum and not enough emphasis on the, um, the unit of time. So I'll give you an example just to make that a bit, bit clearer. Uh, it's all publicly available data, so there's no confidence being broken. Uh, I did a study a while ago using... Uh, Mazda data and we got 500 consumers together showed them a picture of the car we gave them a little description about the merits of the car you know the boot size the fuel efficiency that kind of stuff and then we told them the price but that's where the the twist came in so some consumers saw a yearly price 1668 pounds per year some saw a monthly price some saw a weekly price some saw a daily price so four pound 57 a day now all of those prices, whether they were shown as yearly, monthly, weekly, or daily, they all laddered up to the same annual amount. So if consumers were acting in a fully considered, fully logical, fully rational way, when we then asked them how good value they thought the car was, 
they should give roughly the same answer in each circumstance, in each cell. But that's not what happened. The group of people who saw the annual price thought the car was bad value, only 11% thought it was good. That percentage thinking it was good value jumped to 40% when, they saw, when the other group saw it as a monthly price. The group who saw it as a weekly price, 43% of them thought it was a good value. And then finally, in the daily um, uh, scenario, 51% of people thought it was good value. So what you're seeing here is a huge swing in perceptions of value, depending on the unit of time that's used to display that, that, that number. And it's as if consumers are putting too much weight on the headline amount and not enough weight on the unit of time. So it's like they think nine times six is different from six times nine. So there is a very simple, very practical recommendation for, for brands. If you are selling a good at a monthly price, why not consider testing it as pounds a month? Talk about it as being a pound a day or, or seven pounds a week. All the evidence shows that will make the price more appealing. And, and do you think that would work for um, just as a very basic example, if you're buying, encouraging buying a nice flat screen TV, <laughs> could you use it as cost per view in terms of how many times you spend with that TV versus the actual capital cost of investing? Or was that too radical? <laughs> I think approach? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you, you probably don't want to draw attention to the, the price. So if it starts feeling so weird, uh, like no one ever sees cost per view, then it might draw more attention to the price. But the great thing, I mean, that's 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 complete speculation on, on, on my part. The great thing with all this is it's so easy to test. You don't have to um, take, you know, the experiment I've run people through on, on, on faith alone. What I would recommend is you could rerun that very basic design I talked you through, but use it, do it with flat TVs instead. You could do that amongst a small sample of 500 or 1,000 people. If you see a positive improvement in price on that new way of displaying the uh, the price, then roll it out onto your um, onto your website. You know, put 10% of people see the new way of displaying the price. See if that improves, and then if that improves, then you then you could run it out uh, across the entire shop base and, and, and website base so the brilliant thing with all these ideas is they're, they're never like abstract philosophical ideas that you just have to believe you've you can always test them to make sure they work in your category and your brand brilliant. i think great advice i'll go on thanks will sorry will uh i think to add pads i think quite a lot of consumers already mentally do mm. what you're talking about i um i know from my father every time he wanted a nice pair of shoes he'd roughly work out what the cost per wear was <laughs> yeah, yeah. as a way of justifying that actually it wasn't that expensive. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I think Glad probably you. quite a lot of items fit into that. I just, on top of that, wanted to add, I think there's um, one interesting area to take this further, which is you can take monthly prices and reduce it down to weekly or daily. One thing, kind of thing I think a lot of brands do, which they should be wary of because of this, is they offer subscription prices per month and show that cost. And then offer, if you buy a 12-month package or 12 months, you get it for the price of 11 and put that price there. But actually, rather than attracting customers by giving them a month for free, I think showing them that yearly price is actually going to discourage them 
because it makes them realize ultimately how much all the money is adding up to and almost does the opposite effect of what Richard was talking about. And so I think brands should be very wary of when they want to do offers, often subscription VOD do this, actually bringing attention to how much the product costs over a year because that will put people off rather than attract more customers. But you, you could, I guess, um, get the total 12-month price and divide the new reduced cost by those 12 months. So it gives you a per-month cost, which I think a few of them do anyway. So it sort of addresses that point. Yeah, there'll be creative ways around it. Um, but it's just it's just anything that encourages people to think about the overall cost is, is risky. Um, yeah, when you're trying point. to give it them as a monthly breakdown. No, brilliant. And um, Will, what about um, things like extremeness aversion where people shy away from sort of extreme options and sort of head for middle ground? Yeah, so um, this is interesting in that uh, there's lots of reasons, I think, for extremeness aversion. Um, and that is that, generally speaking, we don't want to uh, pay for kind of extreme options or um, very expensive options. Um, and that can be reused in lots of different ways. Um, I think one of the, the ways it's most often used is that by adding in an expensive option, it can switch the way we make decisions. So uh, if you add in expensive options to things, you may think that's madness in a downturn. It can actually push people to choose the middle options. Um, an example of this was when I worked with JJB. They used to have lots of Nike football boots that cost £120, which for people going into those stores is a, is a very high price, uh, and they never sold any of them. But they kept them in there because they knew by having those prices, people wouldn't pay the maximum amount for football boots. It felt extravagant, but they would look at the £120 boots and go down to the ones below at £90 and buy those. Um, and if they got rid of the £120 football boots, people would look at the £90 ones and not buy them because they go, oh, well, I can't treat myself to the most expensive ones. That's extravagant and would go down to the £60, £70 boots. So quite often you can actually use uh, new, more expensive items to push people towards a middling option, which accrues more profit and more income for you as a company. Nice. And Rich, you want to add anything to that? Well, I love that example of uh, JGP. And I think one of the best bits about it is that the sophistication of their kind of measurement approach or how they are judging the success of those 120 pound boots. The danger is what a lot of companies would do is look at things in a very literal manner. Oh, well, we're not selling any. Get rid of them. Um, So with all these ideas, you've got to approach measurement in that, that broadest sense. The value of introducing that high-end option is not in the sales of premium option alone it's in the changing uh, mix of sales that you get elsewhere i think there's um it's an interesting thing that sometimes you have to look at the options in the whole or even Mm -hmm. what you're offering as overall i think um rory sutherland used to talk about the example of a procurement and a strip bar that they walk in and go well all the money's being made at the drinks so why don't we get rid of the strippers and just make it fully a bar um, failing to see what the overall package being offered was. And I think that's true of many companies. You can't just look at where the profit's coming from. You've got to look at what is attracting and influencing humans, consumers' decisions. Nice. And um, and finally, 
Rich, um, in psychology, the human mind is often referred to as sort of a cognitive miser. How can brands help make uh, choices easier for consumers? So one tactic they might want to consider, and it's it's related to extremist aversion, it's probably got a bit more of a niche one, is this idea called uh, the decoy effect. And its strength is in making picking uh, an item m- much easier. So famous experiment by... Dan Ariely into the decoy effect. And what he does is offer people some potential subscriptions to The Economist. And in his first version, he says you can have a web version for $59, or you can have a print and web version, uh, this is all, these both annual subscriptions, for $125. Now, it's quite hard really to work out which of those is the best value. You know, the print and web version, that's the higher quality one, you get, you know, every different medium there but it costs more so, but uh, the web version stripped back uh, but much lower cost so you've got people trying to work out um, their valuation of these products on two different variables quality and, and price and it's, and it's quite tough you know most people who are subscribing have never bought this product before so they don't really uh, know which one's going to be best so what happens in this scenario is the bulk of people just over two-thirds 68 percent plump for the the cheapest option then what Ariely does is introduce what he calls a a decoy option introduces a a third option now people can either buy web only for $59 print only for $125 or print and web for $125 now what's fascinating here is no one buys the print subscription it's demonstrably, inarguably worse than the print and web option, which is the same price, but gives you more. But what happens is by introducing that decoy price, which is obviously worse than the print web version, you see a massive skew of people now picking that premium version. So 84% of people buy the print and web option. And what's happening is people ask, they do this in many walks of life, they're switching a complex question, which is of these uh, two things, web and print and web, which is the, uh, the best, uh, for a much, much simpler question, which is, well, I know print and web is better than print. And that uh, simplicity of that new equation sucks people's attention and they ignore the more complex and perhaps the more relevant uh, calculation and it draws them towards the print and web option. So again you've got this slightly counterintuitive idea of introducing a obviously inferior product to make one of your um, products look that, that bit better and make picking much easier. So if you're a subscription brand it might be a, an idea that's worth considering. Will, have you got any examples, other examples in this space? I think it's an interesting area. One slightly different but similar that I've just seen recently is uh, quite a lot of companies are trying to respond to the fact that they recognize companies or people are under pressure price-wise. Um, and I've seen a number of events launching that have offered a pay-what-you-can option. Uh, and they've often offered a very cheap option, which would be a two-day event for £100, then a option of pay £300, and then a, if you want to help us out, option of £2,000 that no one would pick. Um, 
And I think that's a really uh, interesting idea because obviously what they're trying to do by adding that really expensive option that they know no one would go for is push more people to pick the middle option uh, and give them a higher amount of income, even though they can choose what they pay. Um, And I think there's lots of examples of that where people try to use those higher prices or options they know people won't pick to influence people's choices. I think there was a famous example I can't remember all the details of um, uh, someone trying to sell cookies for the Girl Scouts or Girl Guides, uh, and they would open with, would you give us £2,000 to keep the Girl Guides going? And everyone would go, no way. And then they'd go, okay, will you at least buy a box of cookies? And people would go, well, in comparison to the two grand I was asked for, that seems very cheap and reasonable. So, yes. Um, I've heard I think that one in- as the as the door in the face technique. I think Trilldini describes it the door in the face technique, and his argument is we've got two biases going on of anchoring and reciprocity. But the anchoring asking for two thousand set a starting place out of negotiations, and the fact that the girl guy then drops so much uh, taps into reciprocity. This idea that if someone uh, does a favour for you, there is a obligation to return that favour. So she's done a favour by massively dropping the price. Therefore, you feel a little bit of social pressure to to buy at the, the, the smaller amount. Yeah, which I think is really interesting an idea for brands. One thing I was I was going to raise, and I don't have an answer to, is there's potentially quite a lot of sectors when we're post lockdown that are going to have to, in order to be viable, charge twice as much as they normally would. So restaurants can only fit. Uh, a third as many people in with social distancing rules. Flights can only have um, less than half the number of people because they need spaces between everyone that gets them. Cinemas, theatres, lots of places that can only sell a much smaller proportion of tickets for the same product and therefore will have to put the price up. I think one consideration they all need to have is, yes, people want to do these things again post-lockdown, but what can they do to make the experience feel premium or for people to frame it in a different way so that they accept the new price point and don't judge the cost of that thing versus uh, what they used to pay six months ago. It's interesting, isn't it? It suggests that businesses such as the uh, sort of, if you think about cinema, for example, where you're sitting very close proximity to people, it will suffer in that that sense. But um, other cinemas such as the Everyman Cinema, where you get your own sofa, will actually do well. Well, I think you're definitely right. There'll be there'll be varied there'll be varied effects. I'm sure I'm sure that's the case, but yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I was thinking in, in in terms of how do you change people's willingness to pay in, in that scenario is maybe a nice analogy is craft beer. So go back, I don't know, ten years, seven years, maybe when craft beer launched. What was interesting was their their packaging and the design. You never saw, to begin with, a craft beer sold in a standard 440ml can, like a can that you would see Carling or John Smith's in. They shrink the can into a 330ml can, and that little bit of gap, that little bit of space now, allows them to create their own norm of spending. So I think if you're a, a restaurant you've got to be trying to make symbolic breaks with the past. What about your design? What about the experience? Can you change um, from how you used to behave that people start thinking 
uh, of the price uh, without comparison to, to your previous history. Yes, good point. Um, well, that's the end of our podcast series across lockdown. Um, really, really great, useful information across those last four weeks. Thank you so much for that, uh, Rich and Will. Not and sure. um, hopefully we can meet in person for a beer <laughs> once this is all over. <laughs> let's hope so. Let's, let's hope it's too long. <laughs> well, stay safe and I'll speak to you both soon. Yeah, thank you very much. See you soon. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Total Media, the behavioural planning agency, an innovative approach to behavioural insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth.